Hey, welcome to Fred Talk, inspiration and truth from a friend. In our podcast, we teach principles of success. Our goal is to inspire leaders to unlock their full potential, live out their strengths, and achieve their God-given purpose in life. Today, we're going to be talking about the wilderness principle, preparing for success, but don't get stuck along the way. There's some principles that guide us in helping us to move to the next level, to grow in our success of the way we use our gifts and our abilities and our influence and our opportunities. But there's some things that we have to go through for success in our life. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today is the wilderness principle. And this principle is helpful whether you're building a business, it's helpful in relationships, it's helpful with your health, with, with anything you're going through, it's helpful. And... God wants you to be successful. He, he created you in order to produce and to show his goodness by the way that you live out your life in a way that just blesses people and, and that brings honor uh, to God. And, and whether people realize it or not, it, it kind of shows God to other people. And so there's some things that we go through, especially when we go through challenging seasons, where we can kind of get stuck or get a little derailed. And so that's what I want to help with today. There's a story in the Bible about God delivering the Israelites out of slavery and creating a nation of people. It's found in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus. You probably have heard about the story and God raised up a leader, Moses, to deliver them. And they'd been in slavery for 400 years and God chose them. And he chose to uh, make them his people so that he could guide them and, and show them and teach them his ways and be different than other nations. And so the whole first part of the Old Testament, Exodus, is about that journey. And there were these plagues that were given to the Pharaoh of Egypt because he wouldn't let them go. And God showed his miraculous power. And then he delivered them and destroyed the most powerful army in the world. And and then they're out in the wilderness and they're on this journey to their promised land. God had promised generations earlier to Abraham that he was going to make a great nation out of him and that they would have a promised land that would be theirs. And there's some imagery with this promised land thing that I think all of us can identify with. All of us have a desire to achieve something, to develop something, to own something, to impact something. There's something innate in us that wants our promised land. And I think there's even an eternal desire for us of what's beyond this life that we desire the the great promise um, of heaven. We talk about it all the time, whether we are Christians or not. (laughs) And so God had this promised land for them. And so I'm going to use the imagery of promised land as the place that we desire to go or the uh, fullness of using our gifts and our abilities um, in a way that you know God designed us to or, or, or for relationships to flourish and, and develop and grow. I'm going to use that imagery of promised land as, as that thing that we are working towards uh, in life. So they're journeying through the wilderness and, and they end up going through the wilderness and get to the edge of the promised land and they got stuck. And there are some reasons why they got stuck. And I'm going to kind of unpack that with you here in a little bit. I want to give you the kind of teaching in, in just one sentence. You decide how long you stay in the wilderness. If there's one thing I want you to catch from this podcast today, it's that you decide how long you stay in the wilderness. God desires for us to move to next levels 
But in order to move to the next level of success, you have to go through the wilderness. You have challenging seasons to grow, to learn about yourself, to learn about God, to develop. And it's easy to get stuck during those seasons and complain and whine and blame and and say, why, why is this happening? But I want you to know that the only reason God allows us to go through wilderness experiences, difficult, challenging, testing times, is to prepare us for the promised land that's next. And if we could go into our wilderness experiences believing that truth, then we navigate it way different. We stay in it way less. We move on to the next level of success in our life because we're always going to get back into wilderness seasons. But if we can have that sense that God wants to do something good in me so he can then later do something through me, then it helps us navigate it way better. Um, A few years ago when I turned 50, I did some reflecting about the second half of my life and I made some really aggressive goals that I wanted for my life. And, And one of my goals is to have the second half of my life be way more fruitful than the first half. And the first half was incredibly fruitful in many ways with relationships with my family, my marriage, my kids, with um, planting a church and and seeing hundreds of people come to Christ and and then planting a starting a business and and being very successful at that and being able to coach um, young entrepreneurial leaders. Uh, coaching football. There's just a lot of ways God has blessed my life. But I think there's more that he has for me. Well, that means I'm going to have to grow in some ways. I'm going to have to go through some wilderness experiences. So one of the things that I did when I turned 50 was I put a stake in the ground. And that stake that I put in the ground was that I'm never going to question God's character again. I'm never going to question God's heart. Because I know that God is good. And I know that God has what's best for me in mind. Even when I was going through cancer, even when I was going through depression, even when I had to step away from my job, I've learned that. I've been through enough things in my life to know that God is good. He's a good dad and he wants the best for me, even if it's hard. And even if I read through scripture, it's very clear. It's been faithful like that. So that stake in the ground really helps my mindset as I move into anything that I go through instead of questioning God or questioning um, uh, myself. It it, it really is foundational and helpful. So so that's something that in the story, you'll find that um, the Israelites, unfortunately, didn't have that stake in the ground. So I'd encourage you to put that stake in the ground in your life. Um, And and my question would be, when do you get to the point where you quit questioning God's goodness? If you're always looking at your circumstances and that determines God's goodness, then you're never going to get to the place that God wants you to get to in life. God wants you to get to a place where you trust him and you trust yourself so that you can overcome anything that you face. In this journey, uh, the Israelites really were only supposed to be one year in the wilderness, and it was to prepare them. And and they ended up 
not trusting God, and they ended up spending 40 years the rest of their life there. And that generation never even made it to the promised land. Their kids were the one that made it. And, you know, I, I ask myself all the time, what kind of generation do I want to be a part of? Man, I want to be a generation that gets the promised land. I don't want to be one that gets stuck for 40 years and doesn't fulfill my call in my life. So let's look at how we stay unstuck in work, relationships, finances. So the wilderness is 25%, I'm sorry, 95% mental. Our struggles are 95%. You think you can't, you won't. I mean, that, that's just true. If you think you can, you will. If you believe bad will happen, it will. If you believe good will happen, it will. Because you attract or become what you think you are. And Jesus said, a healthy tree produces good fruit. Unhealthy trees produce bad fruit. Um, and this is basically the law of cause and effect. And that tree analogy is in Matthew 7, if you want to look at it. <clears throat> what you think about really matters. It shapes your life. And so be very careful what you do with anger and fear specifically, because they limit and destroy things. Uh, so did you know that your body, <clears throat> that its job is to do what your mind is thinking about and feeling? That's the way our mind, uh, our body is structured and connected with our mind. Scientifically, this is, um, this is true. That's why the Bible says so much, don't be afraid. Um, because if you're afraid, you go into fight or flight mode. And there are chemicals that get released in your brain that cause you to shrink back and not be able to process. And that, that's why the scriptures talk about thinking about whatever is right and good and, and pure and lovely. That's why the Bible says to get rid of anger and to forgive and address things. Because if you're feeling hurt or, or, or fear, your body must produce that negative feeling. Okay. So when we talk about um, going through the wilderness experience, <clears throat> preparing for your promised land, there's a couple things that I, I just want you to think about ahead of time that are really key and they have to do with your mindset. So the first thing is that we have, our mind has an unconscious and conscious side to it. And if I were to draw a picture um, for you, uh, take a circle and you know, on the top half of the circle, right, your conscious mind, and then on the bottom half, your unconscious mind. Now, neuroscientists have proven that 95% of our life is controlled by our unconscious mind. Now, just think about that. That's, that's scary. Our decisions, our actions, our behaviors, our emotions all happen without us being aware. That's why you can say that you believe something and do the opposite. That's why you can adamantly say, no, I didn't say that. Or I don't, I didn't do that. Or I didn't, I don't believe that. But yet then do the opposite. That's why the scriptures say um, that sometimes we do what we don't want to do and we don't know why. Uh, 
95% of our life is controlled by our unconscious mind. And let, let me just prove that to you real quick right now. Uh, we've been on the podcast here for about 13 minutes, and you haven't thought one time about breathing. Not once, <clears throat> but flawlessly you breathe because you have a nervous system. And you, and you, you have, um, uh, you know, your, your, your body functions without you having to think about it. Now you're thinking about breathing right now, but in a few seconds, we're going to quit thinking about it again, and you're just going to keep breathing and you're going to be fine. There are so many things that are like that. Um, you, you walk today and you don't think about how to walk. <laughs> That's normal. You, you've discovered how to walk, um, when you were, you know, a toddler, you were trying to figure it out, but now you, you don't think, okay, I got to put my foot in front of my other foot. I got to balance myself. You don't think about it at all. It's, it's been programmed. Well, there's programs also of how we believe and think that get shaped um, in our life. And scientists, um, most scientists say that that gets shaped and formed uh, by the time we're eight years old by our parents and our environment. So our brain has these files um, they have long-term memory um, of experiences. They could be painful. They could be joyful. You can recall them like that. <clears throat> you can recall a situation that happened to you when you were a kid that really impacted you negatively. Or you can recall something really special that happened to you 40 years ago. It's a long-term memory. And that produces feelings um, in you. And anytime that you have an association with that unconsciously, there may be some smell, there may be something you see, something you hear that, that causes you to unconsciously access that file and connect with that feeling and emotion. And then actions result from that, <clears throat> whether they're good or bad. So um, it's like a program on a computer that keeps playing out. Um, so our brain only does what is programmed. And sometimes we have some bad programs that we need to get rid of and replace with some new programs. That's why the scriptures in Romans 12 talk about transforming and renewing your mind. Our programs, um, like I said, are written usually by about the age of eight. So um, most of them even younger. Our parents, society experiences, there's, there's messages that we get. And there's... Um, there's things that parents say or do that, that shape us, uh, positive and negative. And, um, and so <clears throat> we have to be aware of those things um, because your mind often functions on autopilot. Carl Jung, a Swiss psychologist, says it like this. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will run your life and you will call it fate. Let me say that again. Until you make the unconscious, the things you're not thinking about, the things that are just naturally, that you're not sure why you did it, until, until you get into the unconscious that controls most of our life, it'll run your life and you'll just call it fate. Well, I can't help it. That's just, that's just who I am. That's just what I am. I don't know why I do it. And you keep repeating a behavior unless you're willing to look at it. The conscious mind is short-term memory, and it leaves once <clears throat> the next thought comes. Same for a computer. You turn it off, and, and then you lose that information. Computers were designed to mimic the human brain and how it functions. So I think it's really helpful to think about how a computer functions and how our brain processes things. 
and I used to teach computer programming um, and learned a lot about you know how computers are designed and how they mimic our human brain and a computer has programs and it can only do what the program is programmed to do <laughs> it can't produce different results if it's not programmed to sometimes we need to get rid of old programming okay so we have an unconscious and conscious mind and whatever is accessed that causes thoughts those thoughts produce feelings and those feelings produce results actions so if you don't like your actions don't focus on that start to figure out what is it that i'm thinking about and why am i thinking about it so that you can change that for the good another mindset thing that i want to mention as we talk through this wilderness <clears throat> experience is abundance versus scarcity and i talk a lot about this pretty much every time i'm on a podcast anytime i talk about principled success so if you were to draw a line and it was a continuous line of your life. Um, we're never in the middle. We're either down in the wilderness or in a scarcity mindset, struggling, afraid, processing, working through something, or we're in an abundance mindset. Uh, we are growing, we are achieving, we are uh, stretching ourselves and um, we don't stay neutral. It's one or the other. And you can't have positive and negative thoughts in your mind at the same time. Scientifically, it show, they show they can you know, put the um, electric current on your brain and they can, they can tell that whether you're low frequency, which is negative thoughts, or high frequency, which is positive thoughts. So it's one or the other. So you got to choose which one. And anytime that you find yourself getting stuck in the negative ones in the wilderness, um, you got to learn how to change that. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that in a minute. So control your mind. Be the master of your thoughts in order to produce the life you want and success. And God talks a lot about that in scriptures, about taking captive your thoughts. Friends, I want to tell you something, though, um, especially those of you that are spiritually minded or Christians. God will let you reduce him. But eventually you pay the price for that because you don't end up developing into what you could be. Some people say, if God wants me to, then he'll make it happen. <laughs> I, I think that's a cop-out. God is waiting on you to step out in faith and trust him and trust yourself. That's pretty clear in scripture, uh, that that's what God wants for us. He meets us along the way. Name one person who achieved a level of greatness in their life, in the world or in the Bible, and all of them took action. They believed God for something more, and they chased after it. Abundance mindset, positive mindset, leads to blessing. It leads to faith, positivity, trust in relationships, uh, believing, loving, growing, conquering, courageous strength. Scarcity leads to depression, and I've been there. It leads to fear, negativity, worry, complaining, blame, lack, giving up, and shrinking back. So, as we talk about what we learned from this wilderness experience, um, I've got three things I want to uh, call out, but I wanted to first talk about our mindset. That there's unconscious and conscious, and that 
we can only think one thing, either abundant or scarcity. Okay, so keep that in mind as we talk through uh, some lessons to learn as we look at uh, the story about the Israelites in the wilderness. So the first thing I want you to learn about the wilderness season of life is that it's there to teach you. It's to learn. It's there for you to learn. To, first, to get to know God's heart and to get to know your weaknesses. It's really important. If you don't learn lessons, what happens is you end up going into the wilderness repeatedly with the same problems and you end up eventually becoming ineffective and hard-hearted. If we don't get to know God's heart and learn to trust that he is good, then we'll fight him most of the time in our life. We'll doubt him and we'll work against him. Submission, surrender to his lordship as our leader is the goal and that produces growth in the wilderness. We often create more stress than what's needed. You can work hard to build your own kingdom and you only get what you can end. It's not going to last. You can live for God who loves you and made you and died for you and wants to bless you and guide you, but requires submission and obedience. The Israelites wouldn't submit to him and obey him. They kept complaining. They kept saying, why'd you bring us out here into the wilderness? You wanted to kill us. And they just questioned him every time. And it just frustrated God. I've been through cancer. I've been through depression. I've been through a career change in my 40s. And here's what I've learned as I've studied God's word, that he's always been faithful through every generation. And if you put him first, his kingdom, he gives you the desires of your heart and he provides for you. So we either get to know God in the wilderness or we avoid him. We either get to know ourselves or we avoid our weaknesses. That's where I chose to put a stake in the ground that God is good. So if we know God's good, then we can just focus on learning. Uh, we can learn about our weaknesses. We all have them. To deny them or ignore them is to ask for more time in the wilderness. <laughs> There's a reason why God gives us laws and warnings and reminders, because we're prone to wonder. Once we learn this about ourselves, we can set things in place that help protect us from ourselves. Also, we have an enemy. Uh, Satan is real, and he hates you, and he hates God. He has offensive plans to take you out, and he knows your weaknesses, and he pushes those triggers. And often he uses people close to you to do it. You have to learn how to create a defensive game plan to protect yourself from temptations. Sin struggles that are repeatedly need to get addressed or else you end up losing what matters most, relationships, influence, science, um, finances. Insecurity and avoiding ends up causing us to lose things. So this whole learning piece um, that going into the wilderness is, is a time to learn so that we can be prepared for what's next. I have a rule that I try to live by, and it is the no complaining rule. I don't want to be a grumbling Israelite that's stubborn. If you read that story in Exodus, it's actually in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy of the Old Testament. 
they angered God over and over and over again. And, and honestly, being stubborn angers other people too. I mean, nobody likes somebody that's stubborn and isn't teachable and open to learn and grow. God hates complainers. Literally, he hates complainers because he got very angry and said, well, I'll just, I'm just not going to let them in. They, don't, they haven't deserved it. Well, why would God hate complainers? It influences others negatively. Now think about it. Complaining only happens when you're with people. You can't complain by yourself. <laughs> if you want to be a leader, never complain. Others will notice because almost everyone does complain. Complain about your boss. Complain about the lack of money. Complain about how hard things are. Complain about your spouse. Complain about your physical pain. Man, if we had all the time that we complain and we turned that into learning and growing and moving something forward, whew, we'd be way more productive. I only allow people that I work with to share a concern if they have at least one or two possible solutions. Otherwise, I don't want to hear it. I, I, I have a rule for myself, pity parties, because I, I used to be really good at it. So no complaining rule. So going to the wilderness, um, challenging seasons, <clears throat> realizing that this is a time to learn about yourself and to learn about what God has next for you and more about God's heart um, so that you can be ready and prepared for what's next. A second focus in the wilderness season is we need to listen. During wilderness seasons, we need to listen even more. Because when we're in the promised land, moving forward, accomplishing something, uh, we do need to listen, but we're spending a lot of time moving forward, uh, working on something. Uh, but the wilderness times are when we really need to pay attention more and listen, because growth comes from taking time to be mentored. You can't be alone and listen. When you're given a gift, it's important to know um, what the giver's advice is about that gift so that we can best use it the way that it was intended for. The relationship with the giver, God, is way more important than the gift. The same with other people too. What was behind that gift is way more important than what they give to understand their heart on it. The source is where we need to focus, not the results. If you don't listen to your dad and just ask for things, you're not going to get it because he knows you won't be able to handle it. If you show respect and value the relationship and, and the advice, then a dad is going to give you anything to help you out. Your heavenly father wants a relationship with you. To ignore him is to set your heart up to grow cold. So let me give you some advice. Don't go into the wilderness alone. Sometimes we have to settle things just between you and God. But often it helps to have some support too, to process things. God created us to be in community and said it's not good to be alone. Jesus even took his closest friends when he would get away, when he was in the garden right before he was killed, before his crucifixion. He brought his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, and asked them to pray for him and just support him. And then he would go off on his own, but then he would come back to them. So we need sometimes on our own 
to kind of figure some things out, but we also need people uh, to process with. Uh, Moses had Joshua and Aaron, and there's a story of them holding up his hands when he was tired. David had a best friend, Jonathan. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament had Barnabas and Mark that went on these missionary journeys with him. And if you look at any successful person in the world, they have people that you may not know them, but that have been in it with them for the long haul. If you don't invite people into your life, you can't listen to what you need to hear. Be careful, though, who you take advice from. <clears throat> Make sure they are out of the wilderness themselves <laughs> and can help you move to the promised land. When the Israelites had spent the one year in the wilderness and God was preparing them and gave them the Ten Commandments, the laws, and was teaching them about himself, and then they were ready to move into the promised land. And Moses sent out these 12 spies to check out the land. And the purpose was um, just for them to see how God was going to give them that land. Instead, they come back and 10 of the 12 are afraid and saying, we can't do this and, and stirring up people to not trust uh, Moses's leadership and God. And only Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can do it. God is with us. And the people didn't listen. Most of them listened to the wrong people and it got them stuck in the wilderness for 40 years and they never saw the promised land. So be careful who you listen to. Make sure it's somebody that's not stuck in the wilderness that knows how to navigate the wilderness and keep moving their life towards positive, successful steps. <clears throat> and I'll talk more about that in the good soil principle on, on one of my other podcasts. But it's important to have seasoned mentors, not fellow wanderers. <laughs> my personal and professional growth are tied directly to my mentors. Um, my seasons of being positive or being stuck, I can correlate it to whether I had time with the positive, successful mentors in my life or not. Insecurity is a form of pride. Self-sufficiency or being the victim is a form of pride. So I have another rule um, on this whole listening piece, and that is no excuses rule. Don't be a grumbling Israelite again or else you'll become rebellious. No excuses. Excuses produce rebellion. A heart that doesn't obey or listen. And it angers God. And it angers other people when people make excuses for the way they act all the time. It angers us. So the answer is own it. Just own it. Don't explain why you do what you're doing or don't say I didn't mean to just own it the best way to lose God's favor or people's favor is to make excuses God hates excuses and the reason is because you're not doing what you're supposed to do and you're influencing others to do what they're not supposed to do the 12 spies that went in, 10 of them gave a bunch of excuses so they could do what they wanted to do rather than what their leader Moses told them to do and God told them to do. 
So if you're at work and you're making excuses all the time about your boss, you're producing your own negative results. Try instead to listen and learn and submit. And you might learn some things and you might grow and you might be able to be a more positive influence uh, for your work. And it'll prepare you if you want to have your own business one day to lead it better. The Israelites excused themselves out of the promised land. And friends, listen, a lot of times we excuse ourselves out of what God has for us that is our best. Don't do it. No excuses. God requires obedience. He made you. He saved you. He's resourced you. It's time for you to show him some appreciation by doing the right thing and not using people. Position your mind to listen and respond. It's the only way that we learn and grow. Skepticism is not healthy. Okay, I, want, I want to say that again. Skepticism is not healthy. It's very different to do diligence and do your research. But if you're a skeptic about things, that is not going to produce positive results in your life. It's going to keep you stuck and not listening. If your concerns stop positive action forward or reduce devotion to the right things, then it's called rebellion or evil. So no excuses if you want to learn and listen. And then the third thing that we see in this story uh, of the wilderness season is we have to learn to let go. And if we're not learning and we're not listening, we'll never let go. See, those other things come first. You can't let go of something that you haven't learned that you need to. If you haven't been open and honest about things, if you haven't listened long enough, then you can't let go of something. That's why wilderness um, seasons slow us down a little bit. So we can listen and learn and realize what we need to let go of so we can move forward. There's a scripture the Apostle Paul says to, to get rid of the things that hinder us and, and the sins and the negative uh, ways of thinking and acting, get rid of those things so we can run our race um, the best we can. So we have to let go of things if we're going to get out of the wilderness. If you want to keep holding on to what you have, then you can't grab on to the next level of the promised land. The Israelites kept saying, oh, we wish we were back in Egypt. Oh, we, you know, they took care of us and all this. And they kept wanting to hold on to the past that they complained about. And they weren't willing to let go of it for a new future because they were afraid. We all have things in our life that we need to get rid of. Bad habits, hurts, faulty ways of thinking like I was talking about. Time wasters, character flaws, selfish desires. The Bible talks about the process of pruning. Jesus taught that we are the branches and he's the vine. <clears throat> we have to stay connected to the source and allow the gardener to cut off any dead branches so that we can produce more fruit. That's what the wilderness experience does. That's what gets you to where you are and will keep you where you are, is if you keep growing. You must let go of the past in order to grab onto the future. Pruning is painful. 
So going into the wilderness, we have to realize that it's going to be painful. Those seasons are painful. Nobody likes discipline. Nobody likes to look at themselves and say, oh, man, that's something I got to I got to change and, and do differently and work at and own. Nobody likes pain, but pain is an incredible teacher. And when we go through pain, that's when people always do the why questions of God. Why me? Why, why would you do this? But if we trust God's heart going into it, if we've kind of put that stake in the ground, then we don't question God's character. And we realize that God wants to grow us in this, to be ready for the next season of leadership. Get rid of the dead wood that needs to be burned to make room for new growth. You know, when I um, went through my cancer and I had to step away from the church I planted Northeast in Fishers, I felt like I failed God, failed the people. And that uh, contributed to when I went through my depression um, with the medication I went through, uh, I also, then on top of the chemical imbalance I was going through, I also was struggling with feeling like I had failed God too and people. And I had to learn how to let go of that. And I held on that for about a year. And I wish I had to let go of it quicker. If you're going into a wilderness experience, you should be thankful because it means that you're preparing for a new promised land that God believes there's something greater for you that he has. This is a foundational truth. God doesn't allow us to go into the wilderness just to make our life hard. It's because he knows the potential we have in us. He made us, he wants us to grow and he's prepared us for what's next. And he doesn't want us to come out of the wilderness unprepared to where we fail. But if we just focus on trying to get out of our situation, I just wanna get out of the wilderness, we never learn and grow. And we're never able to let go of what we need to, that God is there in the first place. And then we end up going back for the same reason. So if you find yourself going back into the wilderness relationally with someone, with your business, um, with your mindset, with your health, that's an indicator that God's giving you that there's something you need to change. There's something you need to let go of. Or else we'll be back in the wilderness dealing with the same issue over and over again. Stop complaining, making excuses, whining. Another image that the Bible uses about kind of this pruning process is called the refining process. It's um, where fire is used to melt off the dross or useless part of pure gold so that the pure, strong, beautiful gold is left. We all have some stuff that is useless and limits us from displaying the full character of who God made us to be. We're supposed to shine for God and show his glory by how we live. In order to do that, we have to allow God to burn off some things that are hindering us. we got to be open with people that we trust. This process is not easy, but it is what produces lasting character and fruit. So my rule here on this one with uh, letting go is focus on the task at hand. Focus on where you're going. Focus on the goal, the promised land, the next step that you believe God has for you. Dreams don't come true without effort. Stay focused, step in the water like Moses did and go through the fire, open the door, go take action. Leaders are biased towards action. Get to work. Bible says faith without works is dead. So set huge goals that where you need God to be able to achieve them, that they'll stretch you and grow you. If you set low goals, you'll never achieve more and you'll reduce God to what you're comfortable with. Okay. So 
we say it again that I said at the very beginning. How long you stay in the wilderness is up to you. You decide. Some people say, well, it takes a long time to work through that. That depends on how willing you are to listen and learn and let go. You can process some things pretty quickly and move to a healthy place. Most wilderness experiences last way longer than they need to. Moses and the Israelites, it was supposed to be one year. In fact, God pleaded, uh, Moses pleaded with God to save those stubborn and rebellious, rebellious people. Five different times, God said, man, they're never going to listen. I know their hearts. They're stubborn and rebellious. Let me just start with the next generation and get rid of these uh, people that aren't listening. And five times, Moses said, no, 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 don't do that. And he sealed his fate of being stuck in the wilderness. Sometimes there's people that we need to move on from. That's hard anytime in business. Um, you're going to have people come and go. And it's not always easy to have to let some people go because they're just not willing to take the next step and do what it needs to be done. Individuals decide how long you're in the wilderness. And God lets us decide. And he works with us on that. You know, Moses was worried about what all the other nations would think if God started over with a younger generation. And I think about this. What Moses didn't want to have happen, like all these other nations think that God was this harsh God that was killing off these people and he couldn't deliver them. That's exactly what ended up happening. It just took 40 years. The consequences were just delayed and he suffered everybody else's disobedience. And then he blamed those people for not getting into the promised land. You guys made me mad and made me do something I shouldn't have done when he was supposed to speak to a rock to bring water instead of hit it. And God said, you're not going to get to lead them in. Do you know other people, if we let them, can cause us to miss our promised land? What type of generation are you going to be part of? Will you focus on those who are open and receptive? That's what Jesus did. Or will you complain about the people that you lead and lash out in frustration? Sometimes when we fight for others, it may be more out of our own need to be accepted, our own fears and insecurities. So let me give you just a couple tips as we wrap up here about the wilderness experience um, so that you can um, get in and out and move towards whatever you have next for your promised land. Tip number one, uh, check your attitude daily. Our attitude determines the length of our stay and the level of our success as we move into the next promised land. Go into the promised land, uh, into the wilderness, looking for the seed of success, that seed of what you need to learn and, and that will produce growth in you, that seed of success, and you'll find it much quicker if you go into it looking for that. Choose to believe that the whole reason that you're in the wilderness experience is to prepare you for what's next in the promised land. Believe that God has a better future for you, but accept the fact that you can't receive a better future without going through the refining process. It's a good thing from time to time to visit the wilderness, but you don't want to live there. And your attitude determines it. Second uh, tip, don't ask why. Uh, when I put the stake in the ground to always trust God. I made the decision. I'm never going to ask why again. Um, 
I, because I've learned it never helps. Most of the time, you don't end up finding the answers of the why questions. And by nature, it's a heart of skepticism and doubt. Why me? Why did you do that? Why did this happen? It's not forward thinking. It's not productive in relationships. And it's not helpful in next steps. And it just keeps you stuck thinking about the situation in a victim mindset, blaming others and making excuses and not growing. So a better question to ask is what? That's the question I ask. What do you want me to learn from this? What do you need to teach me? What should I change? What do I need to let go of? What do you want me to do? What can I do? What is the right thing to do? What is a way more constructive and productive question to ask because it moves us forward? It actually empowers us to ask what? To ask why disempowers us. So what gives us control on what we can control on the growth steps we can take? And then the third step, don't go it alone. Reach out to mentors who have been where you are going and made it through the promise to the promised land. Don't seek out people who are stuck in the wilderness. Look for somebody older, wiser, seasoned, and learn from their mistakes. Borrow their faith, in other words. So uh, I want to help you realize that we all go through wilderness seasons, but it's easy to get stuck. And the majority of the time that we get stuck and we repeat is because of our own mistakes, our own sins, our own weaknesses. And until we learn those things, until we are willing to grow, we can't stay out of the wilderness and we'll spend way less time in the promised land where God has for us growth. So choose um, to be intentional um, at, um, at taking time to listen and to learn and to let go of what you need to. Build some daily disciplines. That's why prayer is so important and journaling and studying scripture. And so I try to just make that be the priority of my morning. And I guarantee if you go into the wilderness uh, with a positive attitude of believing it's preparing you for the next promised land, you're going to get there. Thanks for joining us. And remember, my name's Fred and I'm your friend. God bless you. Love you.